0: Five mid mornings, catch up. up. up.
1: And it's a busy show this morning because we've also got Dr. Megan Martin on the line who's going to be chatting to us about dispelling some sex related myths. Now, there are a lot of sex related myths that go around, and I think that it's important, especially heading into summertime. We all know what happens in summer there's a lot of partying, there's a lot of hanging out with friends. Uh, And maybe this is a good time, this is well-timed to be dispelling some sexual myths, so stick around. Also, she'll be giving out her contact information a little bit later on as well, in case you need some help in that area. Got music from Kelvin Harris on the way, Marshmallow, Bakai, Mikasa, Will Lindley, all coming at you before 10 o'clock this morning. My name is Stephanie B. Hi, hello, how are you? Hi Dr. Megan, good morning, how are you? I'm oh, great, thanks. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Welcome back to the show. It's the last time we had you on, we spoke about libido. Very interesting, very insightful. And today we've got you on to do some myth-busting. We are busting some very popular and I think harmful, actually, sex myths are you ready? I'm so ready. Bring ah. it on. Yay. Okay, cool. So the first myth that I've got here is that masturbation is lame or pathetic or shameful, or you should feel some sort of guilt for self-pleasure. Ooh, this is a common
0: one, right? And I yeah. think this, this one, is, most of us are brought up in a conservative mm. sort of upbringing or environment, even if it wasn't our own family. It's sort you know, a comes over from others. Yeah. But masturbation is completely normal and natural, right? It is so normal and natural that not only do animals do it, oh. but fetuses in the womb have been seen masturbating on ultrasound scans. Sure, okay. Right? So, and that's not about sex, right? Mm, that is mm-mm. just touching this part of my body feels good. And there is nothing wrong with touching your own body and feeling good about it. I mean, you probably have no issue massaging your own shoulders Mm. or bringing yourself pleasure in other ways, like eating good food or taking a swim in the ocean. There's nothing wrong with making yourself feel good. You deserve to experience pleasure. And in fact, masturbation is a great way just to get to know yourself, Mm. you know? What do you like? And then it makes sex with other people even better and more pleasurable because now you know what you like and now you know what to ask for, you know? And then you get all the other benefits, you know? It's a great way to relieve stress, improve sleep, relieve pain and, you know, it has all the benefits of sex and you don't even need
1: another person. There we go, how convenient. I like your analogy between saying you can experience pleasure in your body in other ways, like whether it be eating a cake or swimming in the ocean or going for a really nice deep tissue massage, you still experience pleasure. So why should this be any different? Or why should we hold more shame when it comes to this specific kind of pleasure? So that's a very cool analogy. Myth number two is that if you have an SDI, you are dirty, you sleep around, you don't look after yourself, you're gross. And once again, that there should be shame surrounding an STI. Well,
0: I think it's really important for us to say that STIs don't make someone dirty Mm. and not having an STI doesn't make you clean. This is not about clean and dirty. Mm okay so let's just throw that language out of the window we don't call someone dirty if they have the flu okay so this is not about clean and dirty yeah okay so basically what it comes down to is if you are having sex with other people at some point you are probably going to end up catching an sti Mm. you know just like if you spend time with other people you are probably going to catch the flu true yeah you know it's, it's really common and it sort of it comes with the territory you can do the best you can to prevent it right by using condoms and dental dams or other barrier methods um, but those methods are not 100% effective. You know, and PrEP. I don't know if you know about PrEP, and that's pre-exposure prophylaxis. So that's a medication that you can take to prevent getting HIV if you're at a higher risk of getting exposed to it. You know, so there are lots of things you can do to reduce your risk. Yeah. But if you do end up catching one, it's really not the end of the world. So especially when I have clients coming into into my consultation room mm-hmm. and they're very ashamed that their test has come back positive or they mm-hmm. want to do testing because they have symptoms. Okay. The first thing I say is there is no shame or judgment allowed in my consultation Aww. room. And then I'd like to show you some statistics, right? Okay. So, with HPV, which is human papillomavirus, and mm-hmm. that's the virus that causes cervical cancer, right? Yeah. HPV affects one in three people. So that means Aww. If you have had sex with, I don't know, two, three people, you've probably been exposed to it. Wow. Herpes is the same. One in two people have herpes, whether they know about it or not. Nice. Most people are asymptomatic. Wow. They are so common, and it's really not something to be ashamed about. It just, I think, it just all goes in the whole sexual shame realm, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe the STI is just evidence that you did have sex. You know, Young maybe fans. that's what's shameful.
1: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I didn't realize those stats uh, about herpes and HPV. I knew HPV was super prolific. Which is why you can obviously get vaccinated against it. And a lot of young women do go for the HPV vaccine uh, when they're young before they become sexually active. Uh, is that obviously something that you would also recommend or? Absolutely.
0: No, I am like pro vaccine all the way. Amazing. Definitely. God has still actually released the new HPV vaccine, which protects you against nine different strains of HPV. Mm. So it's the ones against the most common forms of cervical cancer and genital warts.
1: Once again, we're on the line with Dr. Megan Martin this morning. We'll be back with more sex myths next. So myth number three is also, I think, quite a prolific uh, myth, which is that sex is only sex If there is penetration involved,
0: yeah, this is—I think this is the biggest one.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) I think when most um, heterosexual people think about sex, right, they sort of divide it into, you know, sexual activities sort of include sex and foreplay. Everything else is foreplay. Yep. Right? so foreplay must be the kissing maybe some breast stimulation maybe some oral sex or fingering if you're lucky and then once you've you know, ticked all your boxes going from you know, first base second base, third base mm. then you can move on to the real sex right? <laughs> which is penis and vagina penetration yes. yep. you know? and then when the man or the person with the penis finishes sex is usually over yep. whether the partner has an orgasm or is satisfied or not right there's like a very defined line yes. about what sex is yeah and everything else you know is, is secondary it's it's less important and it's you know it's a bonus you know and the woman must be grateful if mm-hmm. she got um, anything else <laughs> anything else <right>? anything <laughs> and the reason why i say this right, is because i don't know if you know this but of women, or people with vaginas, Mm. need external stimulation in order to orgasm. Yeah. Okay, so external stimulation of the clitoris, which is not necessarily stimulated through penetration. Mm -hmm. Right? So a woman's primary way of having an orgasm is not considered sex yet the man's primary way of having an orgasm is, is real considered sex, sex. So yeah this, it's, it leads women to thinking that something is wrong with them if they can't orgasm during sex or during yep. penetration
1: yeah
0: and that's just because they aren't getting that external stimulation that they need
1: agree with you on that one so uh, and there are different kinds of sex that occur especially if there are people in a relationship where one doesn't necessarily have a penis there doesn't always need to be penetration in order for it to be considered sex right? Absolutely
0: and I think the definition of sex is another question that's sort of open for interpretation Mm -hmm. if you ask me like what is sex I think sex is anything that you find sexually stimulating you know, and that will differ from person to person, you know, is oral sex, sex, anal sex, sex, uh, manual stimulation with your hands, watching pornography, maybe reading or listening to erotic stories. You know, maybe that can be sex. I like to think of sex as a frame of mind, right? And when you are turned on and you're in that sexual frame of mind, sometimes even non-sexual things can become sexual. You know, suddenly your partner touching your arm or your feet or tickling you or pulling your hair feels highly erotic or sexual, you know? So the the great psychotherapist Esther Perel puts it as, sex isn't something that you do, it's a place that you go inside yourself Mm -hmm. with another or another person.
1: Let's move on to myth number four, that not wanting sex means that you are a prude. This is a myth that is played out in movies. It is a myth that is played out in TV series where someone is always made fun of for being a prude because they don't want to engage in sexual activities.
0: It's really interesting, right? Like you you get in trouble for wanting sex too much, but then if you don't want (laughs) sex, then then you're also in trouble. (laughs) Uh. I don't think anyone should be made to feel like they owe someone else their body. Mm right sex is not a chore it's not a job it's not it's not a part of your wedding vows even you know like if you don't want to have sex you don't have sex Mm. you know like sure sex is a very important part of a relationship if if it is to you but and most people don't want to be in a sexless relationship Mm but it doesn't give us a reason to try and coerce and manipulate other people into having sex by insulting them or trying to you know pressure them into doing it by calling their names
1: yeah hundred percent and I think it is a societal problem as much as it is cultural as much as it is a problem maybe between certain couples or maybe kids at school who feel like they're being pressured because they're not wanting to engage and all of their friends are and they're being called names as a result of it but like you say there really is no foundation in it so then uh, myth number five is that it is normal for sex to hurt and I also think that this is an incredibly harmful myth. Is this true? Is it normal for yeah. sex to hurt?
0: Absolutely not, in capital letters. <laughs> you know, unless you want to incorporate pain yeah, yeah, <laughs> into of your sex life. Yeah, yeah. All different, different conversation. Mm-hmm. But sex—I mean, pain with sex is never normal. Yeah. Okay. There are so many different reasons why sex could be painful, and you should never ever have to just like grin and bear it and pretend that you're fine when you aren't. Mm-hmm. Because okay, I have had too many clients who for years have experienced painful sex and they haven't even told their partner. They are so scared of just disappointing them or worrying their partner or maybe they worry their partner is just going to get upset and leave.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and the painful sex not only you know, is terrible in the moment, but it affects all aspects of sexual function. It can prevent you from experiencing desire it's definitely going to lower your libido you're going to have trouble getting aroused you're going to have trouble feeling pleasure Mm. you're probably not going to have an orgasm and you're probably going to avoid sex and avoid intimacy with your partner right it's probably going to cause a lot of conflict and they might not even know what it's about yeah right so and also a major problem with painful sex is it's not only the pain in the moment that causes problems but it can have much longer lasting effects right? Mm. If you force yourself to continuously do something that is painful, you create this negative association with sex and it damages you, like psychologically and physically, you know, and then you've got to try and work through that in sex therapy one day when you, you know, finally get the help that you so desperately needed.
1: So we've got our final myth here. And this one is, I mean, following a very specific gender binary, uh, but it is the myth, unfortunately, which is that men always want sex more than women do. Is this true?
0: No, right? So it isn't actually true. Women can experience, you know, sexual desire or want sex just as much as men do, and sometimes even more. Mm. Every person is different and, you know, has different circumstances. But I think what comes into what's really important here is finding out that, people have different types of sexual desire styles, right? So some people experience sexual desire spontaneously. And that's usually what you think of when you think of sexual desire, right? Mm-hmm. You, the wind changed, you saw uh, an attractive person and suddenly you are turned on, you feel sexual desire and now you want to initiate sex or seek out sex or pleasure, right, whether that's sex with someone else or even masturbation. Yeah. Then, you get someone who has a more responsive type of sexual desire. And here, this person needs to experience the pleasure, the enjoyment, the intimacy, and then the desire kicks in in response, right? So some people might have experienced this where, let's say, they're sort of feeling neutral about sex, their partner initiates sex, and they're like, oh, you know what, I'll I'll do it, Yeah. right? And then suddenly in the middle, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm so glad I agreed to do this. And you get yes. like really into it. Yeah. Then you would be a more responsive type mm. of, of person, right? So, as you might expect, more men tend to have a more spontaneous (laughs) desire style so 75% of men have spontaneous desire okay and um, 30% of women have responsive desire Mm. right well 5% of men have responsive desire sure so that sort of um definitely could skew the the results of it
1: percent. So that could be why that sort of myth or stereotype exists is because of, I suppose, the biological differences sometimes just in the way our bodies are made. Uh, thank you so much for going through all of these sex myths with us. And once again, if we would like to reach out to you, have you got a website? Have you got social media? Do you want to tell us how we can get in touch?
0: Yes, of course. If you want to reach me, the best place is my website, and that's www.drmeganmartin.com. So drmeganmartin.com. Or you can reach me on Instagram at drmeganmartin.
1: Catch up on some of the best moments from five myth mornings by going to 5FM's catch up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.city.